there we go. So we're on episode 29 of Friday Night Counter-Attack. This, this next couple of weeks will be a bit different for everyone. So we would normally upload on a Friday, but because we're recording on the Monday and we've got the European Championships, we're just going to be uploading as soon as possible. So whenever we're uploading, it's just going to be um, ad hoc uh, uploads going forward and it's going to be with different people all the time and um, it's going to be quite fun. So thanks everyone for listening. Thanks everyone for coming on to the show. I've got hay fever today. Um, a lot of people are out, they're busy, they're enjoying the sun. But after our successful videos on YouTube from GoPro Football, we've got one of our um, players from GoPro Football at Friday Night Football, Neil, as our special guest today. And we're going to be talking about the European Championships, about the last time England played Scotland, uh, the preview for England versus Scotland this Friday coming up as well, where we won't be playing Friday Night Football. Um, we'll be reviewing probably our performances at GoPro Football as well at Friday Night Football, which will be quite fun. And we'll be talking a bit about um, England's performance against uh, Croatia as well. And obviously the Euros and what's happened so far um, this Monday evening, which is uh, Monday the 14th of June. And we've got Spain versus Sweden in the background currently. So if you see us like celebrating or talking about football, um, it's perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, that's our little rundown for the show. And it's going to be a bit different, but we're going to enjoy it. We're going to, we're going to work with it. So first things first. Neil Holmes, thank you very much for joining. It's good to see you again. Uh, we won't be seeing each other at Friday Night Football this week, but how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, I've been very busy over the last few days watching as much football as I can. It's, um, I thought I'd be spoilt over the um, Premier League season with games being on constantly, but looks like we've got another few weeks at first. It's going to be a fun couple of weeks as well. It's the fact that there's so many good games on and it's not because they have the best quality teams on, it's because they have the best entertainment in terms of the players that are playing, um, the, the styles of play are different as well. And it's actually, it's actually if some players can actually um, counter the home advantage from some of these teams. Like for example, we're watching Spain versus Sweden now. And if the Swedish side can actually counter the Spain side when they're actually in, um, they're actually in Sevilla, I believe. They, they're meant to be in Bilbao, actually, but they're in Sevilla, which is crazy. But it's, it's going to be fun. We've had a, I've had a good time watching the games as well um, on the weekend, especially. You got to enjoy it and sit down properly. But um, what's been your kind of fun games to be watching so far? So what have you enjoyed the most? Obviously, we were at the we were at Friday Night Football uh, on Friday, so we got to miss the Italy versus Turkey first half at least. But has there been any particular moments for you that you've enjoyed so far? Any particular games at all? I think that the um, the Netherlands game yesterday was pretty entertaining. Um, Netherlands showed that they do have a attacking capability, but they've also highlighted they have a few uh, weaknesses at the back, and I think the better teams are likely to exploit that. Yeah, and the fact that on paper Ukraine is the second best team in that group as well, so it's just they've got they've got room to work as well. And for me, I found it quite surprising how Frank de Boer actually changed his two. He made those two changes: Daily Blind and Van Aanholt coming off as well. Or Window and Nathan Ake as well. Like they didn't really need to change it at that time. It was one nil if I remember correctly, or two nil at the time, and then it went to two two uh, with a matter of ten minutes as well. So it's crazy to see how it actually worked out for the Netherlands with that three two last minute goal from Dumfries as well. Who we I thought had a pretty good game yesterday at right wing back. They were saying it was going to be more of a five three two, but it was definitely like a three five two against that Ukrainian side and Dumfries, uh, Window, and Van Aanholt who was on in the first half. They had, they had that freedom to roam forward and drift in field as well, which is quite fun to see. Was there anyone in particular from that Netherlands side or from that Ukraine side that you um, that caught your eye, Neil? 
Well, I think that the third goal for Netherlands was just a bit unfortunate for the goalkeeper. Um, the ball came to him. He had the opportunity to boot it clear, but he tried to uh, play a little smart um, and passing the ball towards the corner flag. And it didn't, um, go, which, it didn't go very he, far. He, he just invited pressure on. And then when the cross came in, I think he uh, could have done better with the save as well. He seemed to get his hands to it, but just not enough to uh, get it past the post. So a bit unfortunate, but it, it, it's a shame really because uh, the Ukraine did so well to get back into the game, being 2-0 down against the um, group favourites. I thought they played with, with great confidence in that second half as well compared to the first half. The fact that Shevchenko used, um, like, I think it's four or five debutants he used um, yeah. in that starting level was crazy. The fact that you've got brand new players and it's not just relying on Zinchenko or, uh, well, Conor Playanka is not there anymore, but Yarmolenko, who has barely had any Premier League minutes for West Ham this season. It shows that they've got a bit more confidence and a bit more, um, a bit more structure to their team that we, we thought going into the tournament. But well, I can't wait to see what's going to happen in that group. It's going to be a fun group to see if the Netherlands can actually take it three wins from three and if they actually do play very well going forward uh, later down in the tournament. But Austria, North Macedonia, Netherlands should be, and they should be going forward as well, which should be good. Right, Neil, let's go on to yesterday's game, England versus Croatia. That's kind of what we want to talk about. That's the, that's the elephant in the room. Let me hear your thoughts. I know the WhatsApp was buzzing yesterday on our, our Friday Night Football group, but let me hear your thoughts once and for all. How do you think the team did? How did Southgate do? I know for a fact you're annoyed that Jack Grealish didn't play because you're an Aston Villa fan, which is understandable. Um, but just tell us everything in detail, Neil. Go for it. Yeah, I think to start with, you could have asked every football fan in England what the lineup would be uh, yesterday and nobody would have chosen the same one as Southgate. It's, uh, it was quite an unorthodox team. He's got two left-backs that have performed extremely well this season in Chilwell and Shaw but still chose the Trippier option. The only thing I could possibly think that was for was for the free kicks. Um, Set pieces, because, yeah, definitely. The corners yeah, um, he was on. If Trent hadn't have got injured, then maybe it would have been different with more balance at the back. But um, given that he wants to play Walker, but also he needs someone with set pieces, um, it seems like that's the option, even though there is plenty of quality in the team. Um, there. Um, I was kind of happy that Grealish, sorry, that Mings were playing um, with me being a Villa fan. However, I was slightly concerned that he, he's had a few games where he's not been as strong as I've seen him play um, this season. However, he did surprise um, me. He almost um, had Sterling through for a goal in the first half with a, uh, um, a long pass through. Um, uh, and I think he, he did give a solid performance throughout the game. Um, in regard to Trippier, I, I still don't think it was the right option to play him um, in the first half of several times where he was released on the left side, but he was always cutting back onto the right to cross it because he's just not confident enough to take it to the byline and get it across. However, it, we managed to win in the end, whether or not we could have um, won by more um, by having a a stronger team out there, you'll never know. But I feel that it could have been a better a better team, better performance. Yeah, like, first of all, thanks for sharing your thoughts. And it was something that, um, personally, just, just to react to what you said, it could have been a better performance. But I'm, if, like, I said on the group yesterday on our WhatsApp, I was like, if anyone was offering you a 1-0 win against Croatia opening game at Wembley, 
clean sheet, everyone would have snapped your hand off and be like, yeah, I'd have taken it. And I was happy to take that. I thought we we took control of a game. And there are times under Hodgson where we controlled a game, but we didn't win. We lost or we lost on penalties or we drew. And we didn't really see that under Southgate. Like with Southgate, it was kind of like, don't don't really want to make a comparison there, but like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, we won in moments or we won by set pieces or we've kind of done a bit where an individual player has performed with his individual brilliance. So like Harry Kane against Colombia, winning that foul, getting the penalty, then it goes to penalties. But the fact that we beat Croatia and we put some demons to rest from 2018, uh, we beat them in 2019, obviously, but it's just the fact that with this team going forward, it wasn't a Luka Modric performance where we would, we would have thought, oh no, he's going to turn up because we had the likes of Declan Rice who we played very much like a Gilberto Silva yesterday. Everyone's going to hype up Calvin Phillips and I did as well. He was the man of a match for me personally. He was amazing. He was all over their midfield, Brozovic, um, Brozovic, Modric and Kovacic as well. But Declan Rice was cutting past the lanes. He was the invisible wall. He's making sure balls wouldn't get through to the final third against um, Mings and Stones and Pickford as well. Had a lot less shots on goal compared to 22 they had in the 2018 World Cup as well. So I was quite happy with with the defensive side of things because I was very sure that we were going to concede and would have to rather come back or have to do a bit more to get into this game. So that was one positive for me personally. Um, another positive was the fact that Mason Mount, Walker, Foden, uh, Raheem Sterling and um, John Stones, they all came back from the Champions League final and they played like they hadn't left. They obviously lacked a bit of match fitness. They didn't play in the warm-up games, but it was the fact that we got to see them and it's just the fact that they all played very well. They all did their jobs properly. Mason Mount, the reason I love Mason Mount and everyone, if, if you don't love Mason Mount by now as an England fan, I don't know what's going on with you, even if, he, even if it means one of your favourite players out of the team. Um, the fact that he does the work, he does the hard running, he makes sure that he stops the play. He's street smart as well. So it's nice to see him in that middle of the park where he can drop in if, if Calvin Phillips is still up the pitch. He's... Has got a tactical brain in his in his head as well. He knows what he's going to do, and he knows what he can do for the team. So you see why Lampard, you see why Southgate, you see why Tuchel, they all start him and they all love him. And it was nice to see that. Um, Harry Kane, obviously, just a bit lackluster, barely got any touches. It's not too bad because you know he's going to turn up either against Scotland or the Czech Republic. And it's somewhere where I believe that we can see a bit more of Raheem Sterling cutting through if Kane drops in like he does against. Um, like Kane did for this season against um, most teams when he was playing for Tottenham. Personally, I'd rather see Kane as, as that normal number nine for England. I think we could need him there against Scotland with that three in the back that they have and that like they played today as well. Um, but yeah, those are my major thoughts. Very happy with the performance. There's still room for improvement, but there's there's not much for me to complain about just yet. I was quite happy with that and secretly confident that we're going to win this group. Yeah, I think the thing is, on paper, you look at the Croatia team and it, it does look like a strong team. However, I think that they are struggling there with their age. And that, that showed yesterday, not taking anything away from the England team. But um, I think we we may have been a bit more cautious about them than we needed to be. Um, and again, it, it is the first game. They would have wanted to start well. We wanted to start well as well. So there was always going to be a slow start it was just going to be that the odd goal that would maybe steal it um but overall we were the better team um it's a great start for us um we've got other players that we can bring in Grealish Sancho these are players that 
are different to what we've already got, um, but that they can make a difference. With the Scotland team and with the game that we saw today, um, so today we're speaking, they lost 2-0 to the Czech Republic at Hampden Park. So they had that home advantage and the Czech Republic turned up uh, mostly in the second half from what I can see as well. Uh, in the first half, it sounded like Scotland had the upper hand. They had a lot of half chances, a lot of chances as well. But it's just the fact that Schick uh, had scored one of the most amazing goals in the second half, man of the match performance. And it was great to see the Czech Republic turn up and put the sword to Scotland as well. But before we move on to anything in particular, I just want you to just describe to me how you reckon England should face up against the Scotland side with that 3-5-2 or that 5-2-3, however they're going to set up, because I believe that they're going to stick with that five at the back. Tierney may come back into that squad to play as, as left centre-back. So how would you kind of start that England team, Neil? Um, from back to front, I'll, I'll hear your starting eleven, then I'll do mine. There's only two of us, so we, we can do it properly today, so it's cool. Yeah, I, I've always been a, a bit of a critic of Pickford, but watching some of the other goalkeepers play for us in friendlies, um, it just shows how good uh, Pickford is with his distribution. He can sometimes be erratic, but recently he seems to have um, found his form. So I think he's he has to start every game that is fit. Yeah. Um, uh, with the back four, I think Mings has done enough to partner Stones at the centre, um, um, providing they're both match fit. Um, I, I believe that Carl Walker's done enough at right back. Um, so unless we're looking at resting players, I would again go with Carl Walker. On the left, it, it's really a toss-up between Shaw and Chilwell. I, I think that we need to start thinking about, this is a Scotland team, we can get behind them. We need to be getting to the byline, getting crosses in. We've got enough talent up front. So I would go, um, I would probably go for Shaw. I think his season's been slightly better. So I think Shaw would get the nod over Chilwell, um, just about. I was really happy with the midfield um, on Sunday. Um, and again, I would go with Rice and um, Phillips in the midfield. Um, if Scotland are playing with three in the middle to try and pack the midfield out, um, you maybe want to have Mount sitting a little bit further behind um, so he can actually help out if necessary. But with the main um, idea of attack and um, try to pin Scotland back as, as much as we can. Um, and then the, the two attacking midfielders on the side. Um, I think we did well with Foden and Sterling. I think this time we should give Grealish and um, Sterling a go. Yeah. This time. Um, with obviously Kane up front. I think that the key thing is that Scotland realised um, after 60 minutes in the game today that they needed to get something out of um, their game and they threw a lot at trying to pull something back. So I think that they may have some slight fatigue. So I think we need to make the most of that. Um, you, you're always going to find that when Scotland are playing England, Scotland are going to give it as much as they can. But we just need to exploit... Um, the we've got the extra ability there's no question about that it's just that we need to make sure that we show it on the pitch um they've got some really good dedicated players like you've got mcginn and mctominay in the middle but we just need to use our skills to get around them it, it, we can't get into a trap where we it's like a ball with them we need to um just show that we are technically better no, that's good to hear. It's good to hear your thoughts and thanks for going through your 1-11 to for that team as well. But uh, I think with the energy that they've got in their team with McGinn and McTominay, that's something that we can replicate and probably dominate with as well. Um, so that's something that 
Uh, I, I would go for a 3 4 3 in this team, personally. This is how I would do it. I'd go for Pickford in goal. I'd go for a back three of uh, Walker, Stones, and Mings. So having Walker right center back, Stones and Mings, they did very well against Croatia. Keep them in the side, no reason to rotate them. Then I'd go for the fullbacks of Reese James and Ben Chilwell, who have worked in this system under Thomas Tuchel. Uh, Reese James hasn't played yet, he's back in the squad. Hopefully, Chilwell's fit after the uh, missing out on the bench for Croatia as well. I think that's going to be a big thing for uh, Gareth Southgate because Andrew Robinson was their best player today, from what I saw, uh, especially in the second, especially in the first half, which I heard on the radio. But from what I saw, Andrew Robinson was the better player to actually go through and and take the sword to Czech Republic and take the fight to them. They didn't win, obviously, but he still gave it his all. Che Adams will probably be starting as well after his second half performance um, today. So a bit of pace from Che Adams against the likes of Walker, against the likes of Stones. Mings one-on-one. I'm confident the three of them can take the Scotland side on and matching them tactically will we'll try and nullify out McGinn and McTominay in that midfield as well. So having Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice sitting in there, I'm happy to do that. Declan Rice and, and Calvin Phillips, I believe it will be a beautiful partnership for the next five, ten years with these two in our midfield. And then going up front with a front three, I would go with Mount and Grealish behind um, Harry Kane personally. So this is where I think people will be like, oh, why not play Sterling? Why not play Foden? But with Jack Grealish against a low block team, as an Aston Villa fan, Neil, you can tell me and you can tell all of our listeners how well he does against the likes of, um, let's say, Burnley or the likes of Crystal Palace and teams where they play a low block and they really don't want to attack and they really want to just subdue you for 70, 80 minutes and try and get a goal from a set piece or on a counter or anything like that. And having someone like Jack Grealish there in these tight spaces working with Mason Mount working with Harry Kane, who would be the number nine as well. And he's got that tactical now to drop in a bit more as well, not always being that focal point as a number nine. I see Grealish and Mount working really well together. I see something that we can bring Foden, Sancho, maybe Rashford on later as well, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, if we're going to go for a three, four, one, two, and two strikers up top. That's something I believe we could do. Um, that's personally how I would do it. I'd like to see Reese James and Chilwell kind of just nullify their wing backs and nullify... Andrew Robinson, who I think is their main threat personally. What do you think of my little three-four-three uh, three conversation? Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. That that's a good position. I, I think that you, you're right with Grealish. The teams that sit back, there's no point having your Sterlings uh, and your Rashfords because they're not going to have the chance to get around the back because there's not going to be enough space there for them. Exactly. Um, w- with it being a, a typical Scotland England game, there's going to be a lot of um, commitment in tackles and things like that. And I think Grealish is the player that can. Uh, make the most of that, whether he's getting free kicks because they're kicking at him or whether he, he can get round the back, um, draw people out of position. Um, for the Czech Republic first goal today, um, the Czech Republic managed to pull the, the team out of position. McGinn ended up with a two-on-one when one of the defenders tried to help out. He just left the gap that um, created the space for the striker to score. So, Again, if we have someone like Grealish who can do that and he, he tends to be the master of doing that, pulling two or three players out of the time, then that would be really um, a, a good tactic to go for. I, yeah. I think with your formation as well, you've got your your two um, wing-backs that can dart up and down. Given that they haven't played today, um, they should have enough energy to go the whole 90 minutes, full intensity, um, and cause problems for the whole game. Definitely. Even if they can't do it, and let's say Chilwell was replaced by Saka and you wanted to bring Trippier on 
uh, at right wing back like he was playing like, in the 2018 World Cup. That's still an option. That's still viable. And it's still something yeah. I believe that if Reese James wanted to go back into right centre back and Walker wanted to be subbed for Trippi or whatever, however, however it goes, it could still work. I believe that's something that um, we could go. But before we move on to the next situation, I just need to shout out Raheem Sterling. The fact that he scored his first goal in an international tournament since 2014 when he, well, his first, yeah, first ever, which is great. He hasn't scored since 2014 and he's got that monkey off his off his back. Um, and the fact that Wembley was elated yesterday. How good was that, Neil, to see Wembley, not obviously fully packed, but the fact that fans got to enjoy that um, in an international tournament, not like a, a friendly or a Nations League game. How good was that to see Raheem Sterling like half a mile away from his, his previous home to score? First, first of all, I'd like to say that I've been one of his critics and if I'd have chosen the team yesterday, he wouldn't have started. So I'll hold my hand up there. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm glad that he did. It, it was a great atmosphere to, um, yesterday. Also, it seems like there's less booing going on in the crowd, which is a, a plus as well. It seems that the, the message that the, um, that the team gave out has um, resonated with more fans. It's still not where it needs to be yet. However, it's improving, and that can only be a good um, a good thing for both um, society and the footballers, as they don't really want to hear their own fans booing them before they kick off in a game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, I don't think it really matters whether Wembley is ten percent or one hundred percent full. The fans are going to be cheering from the uh, from the first kick off until the final whistle. Um, I, I know we're going to talk about Euro '96, but one of the the special things about that is that it was on home turf and it's a major tournament. The only time we've ever been successful in a international tournament, it was uh, uh, in England. So I think that that's another reason why the fans are so excited at the moment. So um, hearing them in the stadium, we've already had it a, um, a few weeks back with the FA Cup final, Champions League final, but now um, everybody's all on the same team. We're all getting behind each other. We're all feeding off everybody's there. Uh, optimism so it's uh, really good at the moment Um, for Raheem Sterling I I saw a picture of him earlier I think it might have been in the newspaper or on one of the websites he's actually got a tattoo of himself as a child with a number 10 shirt standing outside Wembley and it's such a a great thing to see that it's what he dreamt of when he was a child is actually playing at Wembley and to go there and score in a major tournament that may be the first goal that wins us the competition it would uh it would be really good yeah it's scary because it's got number 10 on the back and raheem sterling's number 10 um yeah for, for england as well which is crazy but yeah it's just the fact that if if it gets off uh, us off to the perfect start which it did and to get to look back at his time in england shirt he's done really well in qualifiers in the nations league but seeing him like literally just score for us that winning goal it wasn't kane it wasn't mount it wasn't foden the people everyone was talking about and I think a lot of people didn't want Raheem Sterling after the season or the last end of the season that he's had to be starting. But Gareth Southgate backed his man. He backed the experienced one in there because he is 26 still. But it's the fact that um, the other players are like 20, 21 around him. He's got a lot more caps. I think he's on like 60, 62 caps or something, which is crazy for his age as well. But the fact that he he literally just silenced all the critics, silenced the disrespect, and he came into his own. And he did very well to score goal drag defenders away, um, take people on. And that's what we want to see. We want to see Raheem Sterling do a bit more in an English shirt. And hopefully it works going forward. This is, what, 15 goals for England and 
11 of them have come from 2019. So since after that 2018 World Cup. Um, and since he, he's obviously scapegoated um, in 2016 as well, if you remember, against Iceland. So everyone was getting onto Raheem Sterling's back, unfortunately. But um, it's good to see good to see it going very well. Good to see that he's, he's very happy. And the newspapers and the tabloids aren't going after his tattoos or they aren't going to his family members or anything like that. Like it happened in the past. But Raheem Sterling, thank you very much. Uh, hopefully we'll be seeing a lot more of you going forward in this tournament. Right, Neil. England versus Scotland, 1996. You were alive and kicking and ready to watch that game. I know for a fact you've been mentioning a lot about um, the vibes in 1996. What you just mentioned about how the fans were in the last home tournament as well. I was barely, a, I was like a little baby at the time. So I'm not going to pretend like I remember 96. But why don't you just educate our listeners about how it felt watching England versus Scotland at Wembley in 1996? Not, I don't know if you were at Wembley or not, but like just sort of like watching it from home basically. <laughs> Yeah, so a bit before I talk about the actual game itself, um, the thing with 96 is that um, previously we uh, got to the quarterfinals of the World Cup in 1990. We performed poorly at Euro 92. We didn't qualify for the World Cup in 1994 at the USA. So there was a lot of... Um, uh, yeah, there weren't much expectation in English football at the time. We were just struggling... Um, but then Terry Venables took over as England manager and it all started to work. All the, the games that we were playing beforehand, we, we seemed to be playing really well. You had players like Ali Chira coming through, um, who was doing really well domestically. And then Euro 96 started. It was on home turf. Um, we had that song that I won't uh, bore you with, but it got the whole nation singing. Everybody had the optimism. Um, and then we drew Scotland in our group. Um, which um, Scotland had struggled in tournaments before that. So there was a lot of optimism in Scotland as well. Um, the first game that we played um, against Switzerland, um, finished one all, um, she was scored, but then uh, a, a player called Turkle Maz managed to get an equaliser for Switzerland. And then it came to the Scotland game. Scotland had already lost to Netherlands in the, the first game of the tournament. So they were desperate for a win. Um, and then it's that famous game. Um, funnily enough, um, I know that we, we're planning to talk about our favourite goal scorer, um, and you, you, you're expecting me to talk about the goal in this game. Which please, please, uh, you I, need I, to, even if it's not your favourite goal it, from an England not, player, you need to talk yeah, about it. Well, I'll, I'll keep that one, uh, uh, keep you in suspense a little bit longer regarding that. But I will talk about that <laughs> around about 90 seconds, two minutes before the the goal itself. Scotland had a penalty. Yeah, um, Gary McAllister and there's lots of talk about the, this penalty itself uh, if you ever watch any videos of it uh, on a slow motion the ball actually moves around two to three centimetres he's about to kick it oh, God, uh, really? and a lot, of pe- a lot of people actually claim um, credit for doing that uh, in um, some quarters but yeah the ball moves and that's potentially what meant that the contact wasn't as good as it was in Seaman managed to save it but yeah within two minutes the uh the ball was passed through um i believe it was beckham that knocked the ball through so i can't remember who put the ball through but it counted gaza most players would have either crossed it or tried to turn inside but not gaza he, he, he doesn't do things like that so he he went to shoot fainted but he, he flipped the ball over colin hendry's head um, onto his right foot and then volleyed it past the keeper. 
Um, in Gaza style, he had been hounded in the press over the, the months before regarding an incident that happened on a plane back from the Far East regarding yeah. what they refer to as a dentist chair where um, they, they plied people with alcohol. So you may have remembered the celebration on the sidelines where he lies on the floor and somebody picked up a water bottle and squirted it in his mouth. Uh, and that was kind of a uh, to get back at the press for all the uh, the negative um, stories they printed about him. Um, but yeah, the goal itself, I think it was because it happened so quickly after what could have potentially been the equaliser of the game. Um, it just made it so much more special. It was the fact that, like, literally, you you told me at last Friday Night Football that that scene was a bunch of characters, a bunch of men that you could see kind of just going to your local pub after the game and just literally enjoying themselves as well as representing the nation as well. So it's, it's crazy the fact that they've had this dentist chair story and it's, I've only known about it from other people telling me about it, but it's something that, oh yeah, they can reference straight on um, straight on the football pitch after scoring an amazing goal against Scotland. But how did you kind of see the difference between that team in 96 and this team in 2021? Do you kind of see the same kind of characters, the same kind of leaders? Because when you look at that, you had like the likes of McManaman, Southgate, Tony Adams, Stuart Pearce, Alan Shearer. These were people that went on to become captains of England, captains for the club. And um, Gary Neville recently said that um, in that 96 tournament, that was when he was the most proud to be an Englishman because of the likes of Tony Adams and Stuart Pearce re really um, going through with their passion in the changing room and, and showing them what it meant to be an Englishman. So do you kind of see that with this team currently at the moment in 2021? I, I don't think we have the same kind of leaders in our team at the moment. You, you're talking about um, captains from many different teams, like Tony Adams was captain at um, at Arsenal, Southgate was captain at Villa. There was lots of captains from their domestic teams all together. So there was a lot of influence there, a, a lot of knowledge and a, a I believe Gary Neville would have been around about 19 at the time managing to get in the squad. He had a lot of experienced players around him. Uh, these players were, some of them were in their early 30s, Stuart Pearce, for example. Um, he'd experienced um, the heartache of losing. He actually missed a penalty as well at uh, the, um, the World Cup in 90. Yeah. So um, these players have experienced the, the highs and the lows of football. So they have that. I know that we have that within our team at the moment. There's um, Champions League winners in our squad and people at uh, Sterling lost in the final, for example. But I don't think we have players that are old enough to have experienced what these players did. Yeah. Now, experience because doesn't to be win. Fair, to, before we continue, we do have the second youngest squad in the tournament. We are, England yeah. are the second youngest and we do have quite a lot of captains, but not many leaders, if you know what I mean, like Conor Cody, uh, Jack Grealish, Harry Kane is not as England captain, but it's not the Tottenham captain. Um, so we've got those kind of players in, in our team. So we've got people that have been vice captains for their teams like Marcus Rashford and um, yeah, Tyron Mings even. But it's just the fact that um, with with that team, ooh, Spain nearly scored. Sorry, I just saw that. Yeah, Spain nearly sorry. Um, but yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, you were uh, saying just about how they were real men, they were real leaders, and we're not really seeing that from our team, sorry. I, well, if you take Aston Villa, for example, you've got Grealish, who's the captain, and Mings, who's the vice-captain, but they're both in their mid-20s. Um, while they are the most influential players and the most experienced players at Villa, uh, by a few players, they don't have the same experiences as your Tony Adams, uh, 
those kind of players, Paul Gascoigne um, playing in Italy, playing abroad, um, throughout his whole career, well, not throughout his whole career, but yeah. sorry, oh, sorry. Um, so yeah, th- th- these players had. Um, you're talking about early 30s. We we don't have many players like that that have experienced it for a long, a long period. Now, um, I remember a quote from a Liverpool defender and pundit called Helen Hansen, who you may have heard of, who said you can't win anything with kids, and he was uh, proved totally wrong mm-hmm. back in 1995, 96 season. So, yeah, I, I'm not concerned that we don't have the leaders that we had back then because we have the ability. Yep. Now, the, the game back then is totally different now. Like you, you mentioned earlier, that these players would go and play a game and then they'd be in the pub at the end of the game or they, they'd be drinking in the change rooms because that's typically how it was. And you'd have come across stories about Tony Adams, Paul Merson, Paul Gascoigne about their their drinking habits and m- maybe even more. Um, and it, it wasn't really until around about 96 when Arsene Wenger came and they started to look at nutrition and the the science of football rather than just the, the game itself and the art of it. And I believe that's when it started to change. And it, it, it's it's taken a long time, but now you, you'd you never get a footballer that's allowed to go to the pub after a game. They, they would be dropped. And there's high-profile stories of players that have um, been dropped because they just don't have the right attitudes um, that maybe would have played for England back then. So it, the game has changed quite a lot. The, there's different characteristics to what you would consider to be the best player. Um, but yeah, it's probably for the better, really, because it, may, it means the game's more technical, it's quicker um, than it ever was. So yeah, but it, it's a toss-up, really, because it, it was really enjoyable back then. Yeah, it's just I think it was just down to the culture, if anything, as well. The fact that it would be seen as normal. The the we mentioned previously on our podcast that the the introduction of Arsene Wenger into English football around 96, 97 when he came, he kind of changed the whole standards on dieting, on sports science, on looking after your body a bit more. So um for Terry Venables, the manager of England at the time, it was just like, Oh yeah, we've seen this at Euro ninety uh Euro ninety two, we've seen this at Italian ninety, so let's just crack on and carry on with it. And um Really, from what we've seen in, in this England side so far, do you see any comparisons in that? Do you see any sides of, oh my God, Isaac just uh, got saved off the line by Paul Torres just there. But um, sorry, do you see any comparisons in, in that side? Do you see any players that you see like, oh, Gareth Southgate was um, centre back in, in that tournament? Do you see kind of John Stones in that same kind of ill court? Do you kind of see, like, I, I know them more from their twilight years from when Southgate was at Middlesbrough in 2003, four compared to what they were in in '96. But do you see any anyone that you can compare to? I know everyone wants to Foden to Gazcoin is the main one because of the haircut, apparently. But do you genuinely see any comparisons? Yeah, I think the thing with Foden and Gascoigne is that Foden is quite expressive on the ball, but I don't know whether he has the same freedom if he had the opportunity. Whether he would go for the, the ridiculous if you take. Um, the Czech player that scored from the halfway line today, it mm. takes a lot of courage to have a shot from there because if you miss, you get a lot of players on your back, um, the fans are on your back as well, and it's having the courage to do that. And a lot of coaches try to um, stop stifle players that. doing that. Yeah, they, they stifle that um, creativity and doing those audacious things. And only a few of the top players tend to do that and get away with it. 
Um, and if they don't think you're there, you, you, you can't, it's beaten out of you essentially. So you, you just don't want to do it. So I, I think if Foden continues on the path that he's on at the moment, he may be able to emulate that same kind of quality as Gaza um, did, where he, he would just do whatever he wanted to do. You, you put him in the team and you build the team around him. It's a bit like um, what you, you've had previously with Barcelona building the team around Messi. Um, because you've got that one player and you bring players in to suit their uh, method of play. I think regarding the rest of the team, um, the thing about Euro 96 is we had a really experienced um, um, defence. So at the moment, our team, I guess you've got Maguire, who has quite a lot of experience for England, but he's probably our most experienced um, centre-back if you bring Carl Walker into the equation. He has more caps as well. But again, I, I don't think of them as having the same level of experience there. As the likes of Tony Adams, basically. Yeah. Southgate at the time. I think another thing as well is that back in those days that you'd have Tony Adams who'd play every single game for his club and then he'd come into the tournament. It was like you'd see him every week. Whereas nowadays, players are rested because of how, um, how intense the league is. So... I think that when you see the players week in, week out, you kind of have a different um, thought process to them than uh, you do at the moment. Yeah, it's the fact that you barely get any rest uh, in this season as well after, what, 13 months non-stop of football, which is crazy. And yeah. um, The fact that it was literally just like the Premier League season, you'd have the odd Champions League game here and there back in 90, uh, 95, 96 for Arsenal as well, FA Cups, League Cups and all of that. Um, but the game's more intense now as well. I see. I see it's a bit more of a. There's more uh, stats on like Opta, but like how much how much an average player runs, how much an average player has to train, not just like physically but mentally and uh, technically as well. And there's so much to learn. And even doing that at an international tournament is crazy because you have to then go from your normal routine in your club to five six weeks of doing it for your country as well, which is crazy. And that's two different routines you have to kind of go for and work with as well. So hopefully it's not too bad for for England as well. Um, but yeah, I did say that I did want to talk to you about your favourite England goal of a tournament. I thought it would have been the Gascoigne one, but um, let's hear yours, Neil, after the whole um, shit goal from today, who's one of the best goals I've ever seen in my life. And it was against Scotland, so I can't wait to play against Scotland and see if Foden actually tries that or Grealish from the halfway line. It'll be great. Um <laughs> But yeah, sorry, Neil. What was your favourite England goal in the tournament that you've seen? Yeah, I, I do really like the, the Paul Gascoigne goal, but because of his ability, it was something that didn't seem out of the ordinary from him. So yeah. while it was a great goal, it was something that I expected to do. I think my favourite goal, it came from a player that he was starting in his first tournament and there was always question marks over whether he'd be able to perform. Um, so back in 1998, um, we were playing Argentina. Yes, um, we went 1-0 down from a goal from Zanetti. Um, then the, the ball came to Beckham, who pushed the ball through to Owen, who managed to essentially run around the outside of Zanetti, probably ran about another 15 metres further than he did just to get the angle, and managed to ping the, the ball while he was running away from the goal into the top corner. I think for a, uh, a player... And Paul's goals team, nearly, nearly stole that goal as well. He nearly came in to just shoot as well. Yeah. Oh, so like, nah, a, that's my goal. That's mine. I'm keeping that. For a player who was so young against a team that was technically gifted as Argentina, I think that that's probably my favourite England goal. 
That must have been fun to watch as well live because it, it did it make it one one at the time? Was that what happened? And it went to penalties. I can't remember if it was the first goal or the because it finished two each. Uh, I mm. can't remember whether it was the equaliser or the second goal that um, Owen scored, um, but it did end up two all. I think Campbell may have had a goal disallowed. The on closer inspection, probably shouldn't have been. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it went down to penalties, and unfortunately, we lost on penalties. But after we went down one 0 down to Argentina, who were one of the favourites at the time, it kind of seemed, oh, that's it now. We we're going to struggle, but to be able to uh, pull it back and take the lead was quite amazing. Yeah, that's true. I can understand that. Um, my favourite goal, it's not a goal that everyone will appreciate uh, as much because it didn't really lead anywhere, but um, I've said previously, my favourite goal was David Beckham against Ecuador. Uh, round of 16, 2006, free kick. Uh, I think it was in Nuremberg. Uh, half-time in the Spain game, currently 0-0. But that, that was my favourite goal, the fact that David Beckham, uh, he went to Real Madrid in 2003-2004. He did really well as an England captain, the first proper England captain that I saw in my lifetime. And that was when we had the golden generation. I could say that the Wayne Rooney goal, the second one against Croatia in 2004, when we got to see the boy wonder kind of um, flaunt his talent. I think we went behind in that game as well. And then he scored and then Skull scored and then he scored in the second half. Ran half the uh, yeah half the length of the pitch and just finished it off. Celebrated with the England fans in the crowd, and I thought that was lovely. But for me personally, the David Beckham one was my favourite one because it's the fact that David Beckham scoring a free kick at an international tournament, poetic justice after the 2002 World Cup when he scored a free kick to uh, get us there against Greece. It was nice to see that. I think he did score one in '98, but I was I wasn't old enough to remember that. Yeah, it was against Colombia. Sco- I think it was against Colombia. Yeah, I believe mm. we won that game three now. Mm. But yeah, he scored a free kick, which um, was then overshadowed by when he kicked out um, at Diego Simeone. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the in the game that um, that Owen scored, that we eventually lost, and he took a lot of heat for that because um, a lot of people argued that if he was on the pitch, we may have uh, managed to steal a winner, but. Again, it's all ifs and buts. Yeah, all ifs, buts and maybes. And I don't see that in the Scarroth Southgate side as well. So I don't see anyone really lashing out. I think they're a very disciplined side. Likes of Henderson and Kane can actually take them, uh, take the younger players under their uh, under their wing, basically. And just kind of work with them as well. I see that going well um, in this tournament. Um, before we a... finish... Sorry, Karen. Sorry, Karen. I was going to uh, say, I think there was a bit of an incident on Sunday. I didn't quite catch it while I was watching it, but... When I was driving home, they were talking about on the radio that there was an incident between Stones and Pickford um, towards the end of the game. Mm. Apparently, Stones wanted the ball to feet um, and Pickford just wanted to boot it clear. Um, so they had a bit of an argument. But funnily enough, while they were arguing, the referee just let them carry on. So some of the people who were talking on the radio were actually saying that maybe it was a ploy to waste time. Yeah. Because the, the referee just didn't want to get involved with an argument against two players. So, um, w- whether or not that was actually a disagreement they had, or whether it was manufactured just to uh, run the clock down, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next game. The 2021 ways of wasting time, the wasting time <laughs> tactics from John Stones and Jordan Pickford. But they've been playing for, with each other for a couple of years now. They should know their game inside out. But um, exactly. one of them just likes to just yeet it long half the pitch. John Stones likes to play out from the back, so I'm pretty sure they'll know which way they're going to be. Um, they're going to be going against Scotland as well. Um, let's just check the fantasy football because uh, we've got quite a lot of people on our Friday night counter attack fantasy football um, 
league as well. So it's not just like our uh, people from Friday Night Football. It's our followers on Instagram and social media. Uh, it's a couple of my scouting colleagues, friends and family that have joined as well. And people that have just shared and shared and shared, which is great. So unfortunately, like I said before the recording, it, it, I set it up this whole league. I'm 23rd out of 30. So I'm not very happy about that at all. Uh, like we said before, it depends on who you selected. I backed Romelu Lukaku to be top goal scorer at this tournament. And I didn't put him in the team. I put Harry Kane in the team. I had Kane as, as my captain, which was awful from me. It was poor. Um, let's go through. We've got Salim. Uh, so Sal Grealish, as we all love. His name is Super Jack Grealish, as you do. Jack Grealish was zero points in that team. Delit was zero points in that team. Uh, he's got Ronaldo captain, 33 points. He's doing okay. He's got um, Depay in there as well. Elliot, obviously, he came back to Friday Night Football this week, so it's good to see him, good to see him come back and play proper two, nearly two full games, which is great. Um, he's got Luke Shaw, Adama Traore in their team. Got a ridiculously amazing front line of Kane, Lukaku and Mbappe. Should I be leaking these teams, Neil? I don't think I should be doing it in a way, but... Um, Elliot's 14th in there, which is well. Raheel, who we all love and um, we all... He's actually got his episode of Check It Out this week on Friday on our YouTube channel. That's been going quite well, to be fair. So watch out for Friday, Raheel's episode of Check It Out. Um, that will be 5 o'clock released on Friday Night Counter-Stats YouTube channel. Um, he's got 38 points. Grealish again in the team, zero points. I never back Grealish because I didn't think he'd be the one starting. I think it would be Mount that would be starting all three games. I don't see Southgate as a rotator uh, as much as, as the other players as well. We've got Mr. Neil Holmes, our very special guest today in ninth place. Nicely done, Neil. Got Immobile, Lukaku, um, Jack Grealish again. <laughs> <laughs> Zero points. Um, that's not too bad. You had Zachariah on the bench for Switzerland. He got one point as well. You've got Alba and Torres who are currently playing in this game. So that's crazy. Uh, Osman's in fifth. And yeah, so out of everyone, unless like some people have just put like their initials on the name, so I'm like, I don't know who it is. Um, but let me just shout out GZUZ underscore VK. So that could be Vikesh, maybe if it is Vikesh. He's leading at 56 points. Ryan Cox is second of, of Rice and Men, 49 points. And GD underscore 87 is finding Timo uh, with at third, which is great. Which is, which is great. So we're getting everyone kind of involved in our Friday Night Counter Attack Fantasy Football, please join. I'll leave the link in description of the next couple of podcasts as well so you can all join. Um, check it out. Our weekly episodes are coming thick and fast. We've got a lot more coming up as well. Neil, we need to get you on. It's, it's quite fun to talk about football kits and the player names. So we've got Raheel's episode starting uh, this Friday. He's got a very special player on the back of two of his shirts. Probably more than two, but we spoke about two in this episode, which is going to be crazy. Um I'm going to be doing more of my scouting reports. I did a little poll on our Instagram about doing more scout hams when I get to actually watch a player individually. I do that with a lot of my scouting colleagues. We enjoy that. We enjoy learning about players that way as well. Just builds our strength and our knowledge as well, which is great. Uh, GoPro Friday Night Football may not be back this week because I may not be able to make it, getting my jab, which is crazy. And that's kind of it, really. We're all up to date. Daily YouTube videos, like I said, during the week. GoPro Football, um, having our conversation with our other scouting colleagues, uh across europe which is great um but just to finish off Neil, i just want to talk to you a bit more about um your return to football since coming back uh the lockdown in april may time 
have you found it coming back to football and just being involved with the lads again, seeing each other properly? And how you found being part of GoPro Friday Night Football, seeing your, seeing your highlights every week because I've got a big GoPro on my forehead recording it. How have you found that personally, Neil? I've really enjoyed being back. It's the pretty much the only exercise I do is to play football. I really struggle with other things. So mm. um, once the lockdown was um, lifted to the extent that we could play, I was always going to be there. I've, from a um, fitness point of view, I found it really difficult. Um, yeah. Lockdown hasn't been too friendly to me. Um, and I'm addressing that at the moment. Um, every it's been time friendly to your beard. I mean, your beard just looks sharp. So nicely done there, Neil. Yeah, this is a lockdown beard. And I haven't decided yet that when the pandemic is over and we know that everyone's safe, whether it'll disappear or not. But that's a, uh, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Hmm. Now, mine was um, a bit more bushy for me in, in the summer heat and I had to just trim it down. I was like, I like the shape, but it was a bit too big when I was looking at myself on the watch along yesterday. Yeah, we're doing more watch alongs on, on YouTube. So be careful. We'll be releasing some every now and then. Um, sorry, Neil, continue with, with um, yeah. your review. Yeah, so it has been good. Um, it seems to be quite evenly poised now. Previously with Friday Night Football, we always te- seemed to have to change the teams around because there was always a mismatch. But recently, although um, games may have been one-sided initially, we've been able to keep the same teams and have more evenly balanced games going forward. So it looks like um, when the teams are being picked that we are actually getting the right balance between the two teams. And given that we always have different players turn up each week. I think that's really good. Yeah, the main core of it is great because we, we see the, the right people that we're playing with and playing against, which is nice. And it's just about how we make the most of that hour as well. Like I said to you uh, previously, I said it on one of our interviews on our, on our Instagram page and YouTube page that before, during an hour, we would play free games. Like we would actually complete free games because it would be that easy and it'd be that easy to turn over. Not because of a mismatch of team, but because of a mismatch of um, just how quick it was and how people would give in. But ever since coming back from lockdown, me personally, I've taken it a lot more seriously. Friday night football, I've been doing a lot more training in my spare time, early mornings or late nights, whichever. It's been great. Um, Fitness-wise, I've lost a stone of weight, so I'm very proud to say that and announce it on the podcast, which is which is great for me. But it's the fact that everyone's taking it a lot more seriously. You can see it in people's faces that... Um, it's not just I'm coming for a kickabout after a long week of work. It's I'm coming for a kickabout with my mates, but I want to come home with a win and with two wins or with scoring a couple of goals or having a good performance in goal in the system. Um, like with me, David Dahams in goal the other day. You lot could have scored five or six before we scored our first goal, but I, I tend to save quite a lot of goals in that first game as well. And a couple of weeks before when you've got um, Bish P as well who's just ridiculous that with his agility and goal and you're seeing people scoring more goals left, right and centre. And it's a lot more fun. It's a lot more intense. And I think it's brought a lot more out of a lot of people that I didn't think we would see. Like a lot of people have said, Hamza, I've not seen you that intense or that loud on a football pitch. I'm like, I need to be because I don't want to finish a game too early or I don't want to end up um, just going home after wasting an hour of losing games, but still seeing my mates, but still losing games. What do you kind of have to like respond to that? Do you kind of see it as you're taking it a bit more seriously as well? Or is it just oh, another kick about? I think it's a it's a combination of things really. The the fact that we haven't played for such a long time, I think everybody's got that that added um um need to win. So the competitiveness is there. I also think that the banter that we have on our uh, WhatsApp group probably helps with the competition there because 
um, we, we do want to win more because of, we've been bigging ourselves up all week about we're going to get the uh, the W and so we have to win um, and I think that that's shared with a lot of the group um, so there's a lot more intensity when the game comes when you um, look back at the games or uh, when you're editing the video um, you'll see that there's a a lot of frustration um, at times in the game and we're trying to, we're actually looking at it like a, um, a professional team would, where we're trying to dissect what's going on during the game to make sure that we can actually turn things around and when we lose, we we want to improve and we, we, we're looking at where we are, whereas previously, you just lose and that's it, or we'll sort the teams around and start again. So I think that there's a lot more ownership in there of the teams uh, that want to win, but also the lockdown, I think, has... Uh, given us that extra desire because we've been locked away for so long. We just want to get out and perform. Definitely. It's the fact that we're making up for lost time as well, Neil. The fact that we've missed so many months of playing football. We want to enjoy it. We want to come into these games. And we had all of these bragging rights throughout the whole of lockdown. Like I left the group, Friday Night Football group, because I was annoyed that I couldn't come from uh, Stoke to Birmingham to play with you lot. So I was really annoyed during Ramadan. I was like, I wish you got um, the best when you're playing, but when I've stopped fasting, I'll happily make an effort. I'm glad I've kept a consistent effort going forward. Um, coming to Friday Night Football, helping me with my fitness journey going forward, helping Arif and Raheel with their fitness journeys that they've shared as well, and helping Vish and Arif kind of build towards their Hall of Fame mania on August 1st as well. We don't need to do a promo for it. They're not here. They didn't ask me to do it. But you and I have been recently announced as um, players on opposite teams, so... Uh, I did my little promo last week. I, I put my WWE hat on and I was like, let me call out some people. Let me have some fun with this because that's how they described it. They described it as WrestleMania meets World Cup final. So have some fun with it. It's going gonna, gonna to be fun on August 1st. And I think that's kind of why they let Arif do the teams because he can pick players for um, for himself that he thinks he, he can play with and uh, Vish can play with players that he thinks he's going to play with. And we can just kind of see how that works before August 1st as well. So... How excited are you to play in Hall of Fame Mania? Have you played before, Neil? I've never played uh, before. No, I've never played before. Um, really looking forward to it. I think these games that we're playing on Friday is kind of giving us a, a sneak peek of what to expect, where we've got a few players from each team participating. So it's not the actual um, event itself, but you're kind of getting a sneak peek of, of what to expect when it mm -hmm. does happen. But from the point of view of the competitiveness, I've always been competitive. I always want, want to win, so I'm really looking forward to it. I'll be giving it my all. Brilliant. Nah, that's all well and good, and I'll be giving it my all as well. I'm looking forward to August 1st. I'm looking forward to seeing where I am in my fitness journey as well. The fact that um, I spent a lot of lockdown, the first two lockdowns, not really happy with myself, happy with my body, happy with the fact that uh, last time I got to my highest weight of 14 stone 9. Now I'm, I'm 10 stone uh, 11. From, from Saturday when I last weighed myself. So I'm quite happy with the self that I've done over the year, but I can do a lot more. We all can do a bit more, but it's just about how we perform and how we kind of use Hall of Fame Mania. And that's how I'm using it as like a, a road to a better fitness goal. That's how I'd see it personally. But um, Neil, just stay on the line after we've ended this call, by the way. Um, we're going to do something different. Uh, if you've got the time, we'll do something different, but it's going to be for our YouTube, if that's okay. Is that cool? Yeah, that's fine. Sweet. Um, I'm not even going to edit this out. It's fine. It's perfect. Um, but yeah, Neil and I are going to do something for our, uh, our YouTube channel, which is going to be hilarious. It's going to be very funny. Um, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Like I said, closing messages, please like, share and subscribe on our YouTube channel. 
please follow us on our Instagram at Friday Night Counter Attack. Twitter, we're on there as well. Follow us for our watch alongs, follow us for our GoPro Friday Night Football. Um, our Instagram is where everything's kind of at, at the moment. But the guys are quite busy with their home life, their work life, and uh, their social lives as well. So I'm happy just bringing on um, my friends from Friday Night Football. It's going to be nice to have a bit more people, a bit more variety as well over the European Championships and having more content for you to to listen and to, to watch, basically. But like I said, GoPro Friday Night Football, that's out every week now. Um, check it out every Friday. Like I said, we've got our social media. So by all means, we, got, we hit 1,000 downloads this week as well. So I'm very happy with that on Apple Music. Uh, yeah, just Apple Music as well. So that's quality. We haven't even, we've hit that on Spotify. We've hit that on uh, Amazon. But on Apple Music, we've hit 1,000 downloads. But Neil, thanks very much for your time. Everyone, thank you very much um, for listening, for watching, for supporting us all the way through. Neil, do you have any closing messages for England versus Scotland? I'll leave this to you. Yeah, I um, I hope that we win. I think it's going to be a really tough game. The score is either going to be nil-nil or four-nil to England. Oh, God, not nil-nil. I can't do any more nil-nils in, in an England tournament. The Algeria one just sticks with me. I hate that. I hated that game so much with a passion. Um, but no, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I, I reckon England will win. I reckon we're going to be enjoying Friday night, Friday night, not playing football, but by watching England versus Scotland. So um, everyone enjoy your week ahead. Um, we'll see you all soon. In, uh, like, share and subscribe on our, on our YouTube channel. And peace. Enjoy.